Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 15 of Season 5 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again to finish off Week 3 is Niall McGowan of The Bat Minute. na 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 Welcome back, Niall. What is this, some kind of tag team? <laughs> that, yeah, well, you know, well... Well, maybe we'll talk about tag teams. Well, you never yeah. know. The, the problem is <laughs> that the only are... other dialogue here for me to even say something is ah. Yeah. Is the other yeah. Oh, this, this minute, like what? What a <laughs> what a moment to cut at the end of this minute. It was just like yes. to see. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> that's right. The way that he just, you know, uh, it 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 looks like one of those you know '80s shows where you know they just like uh, freeze frame at the end. So yeah, it looked yeah. that way, just like someone jumping and, <laughs> and screaming. I think so. it would have been like a split second before or after. It would have looked more dignified, but it's just the, fro- the frozen yes. image of Bruce going, like Correct. This. That's true. It made the begin jump is, uh, is incredible. That's right. So minute 15 begins with a tiger shark passing by and ends with John screaming like a banshee. I mean, I have to do it. There we go. So a tiger <laughs> shark? A what? <laughs> That has to be done. Every mention of a tiger shark since 1975, someone in the room has gone, oh, what? Uh, <laughs> I was hoping that the audience gets what the reference is there. But... Why don't you explain it to everybody? <laughs> uh, What's this from that one guy in uh, in Jaws? When the, 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 the those random guys think, like, oh, we caught the we caught the shark. Hey, 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 and they got it over the dock. And then uh, they're told it's not. And then Richard Dreyfus is kind of standing nearby. And they're like, well, what the hell is this then? And Richard Dreyfus goes, a tiger shark. And it's just this really heavy set guy who you're expecting to have a much gruffer voice. And he just turns and goes, a what? Uh, and it just cuts to the next scene. But it's just a really, really funny moment because you're just not expecting that voice to come out of that guy. That's true. So, yes. Oh, I, say, I know there's been several Jaws minutes and I've not been on any of them. But if I was to be on any of them, if there's future Jaws minutes coming down the line, I will definitely have to call the. Uh, yeah, the Jaws, Jaws is actually a movie that that about six months ago I finally got to see in the theater, and it was. Oh really? Yeah, I nice, was nice. so happy. I just have I, I happen to see, see here in Israel we don't get that many you know uh, I guess reshowings of of older movies. You know it's it's very rare. And mm. I was shocked that within the last six months there were actually three, and I, I saw wow. two out of the three. So we had we had Jaws, which I made sure to go see. Most of the showings were at like midnight, but I found like a I think it was like a seven thirty p.m. showing that I finally was able to go see, and it was on an IMAX screen also, which was great. I mean, I've seen the movie t- tons of times, but you know to see them in the screen. The problem is that most of the people in the theater just didn't appreciate it. There was like this mm. this father and daughter who who were sitting in front of me. And when they got up, they looked at each other at the end of the movie and they both go, that was a terrible movie. And I was, I, I just had to like bite my tongue there instead of saying to them, you just don't know anything about movies. <laughs> I find that impossible. I've rewatched Jaws in the last couple of years. And it was just like, at the end of it, I was like, yep, that was everything I remember. It was as good as I remember that being. Exactly. Like, it was literally, it's literally like a perfect film. I can't, I can't imagine anybody having any beef with it. Like seriously, well, well I mean, you know, people who don't don't appreciate movies, I guess you know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is what we do for like budgetary reasons too. It's like I don't know, maybe people are now used to like special effects extravaganzas for the climax, but like, maybe. This is, considering the hell they went through to make it, and it's like, well, you know, it's a malfunctioning freaking rubber shark. It looks, it looks great. I don't see what the problem is. But. <laughs> It's true. Um, then they they also had a, a release of ET, which I unfortunately didn't get a chance to see because wow. every showing was at two p.m. Yeah, you know, I was like, I just couldn't find a day that that really works for me as well. I guess it wasn't so, like a Spielberg season or something. Like, what, or was it just I, they randomly? I don't know. I, I I guess it was just random. I don't think that there was it was specifically about Spielberg. And then the third one was when they had the re-release of uh, Titanic. You know, oh, twenty five, yeah, yeah. and that one I, I convinced my wife to actually go see that one with me, and she we had see, we'd seen the movie together. I mean, I saw it uh, when it came out, and it's something I watch once or twice a year because I love Titanic. I think it's such a mm. great, you know, amazing movie. I, yeah, you know, I have I have a lot more to say about Jim Cameron, but you know, the the, the movie itself to me is a near perfect movie, and I can yeah. just watch it over and over. And I was like, getting to see that in the theater again, uh, why not? <laughs> you know, and yeah, I was like, yeah. so I said to my wife, I said, let's go see it, and she's like. Isn't that like a three-hour movie? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But let, let's go. And she's it's like, the, all right, the, fine. And it's one of the three-hour movies that is like, no, it's it's it needs the three hours. Like, exactly. It's like 
Like that a is, solid hour of that is complete carnage, and all of that's great. <laughs> yes, but you need sure. you need two hours of proper characters stuff to make you care about the stuff on the other end as well. So yeah, and a, and the yeah. greatest thing about it was after we saw the movie, my wife turned to me and says, "Wow, this was amazing." And I was like, mm. "You see, you see." Yeah, I've, <laughs> you know, she doesn't like movies as much as I do, but still, you know. I've recently rewatched Titanic myself too. So I've, uh, I was recently on Titanic Talk Line. Uh, there's a lady's doing there's a lady Alexia she's just doing a show not just about Titanic the movie but just about the Titanic in general uh, because I live uh, well I grew up near Belfast which is where the where the Titanic was built and I've been to the Titanic Museum loads of times and stuff I was oh, like wow. oh I could, I could I could talk that but I did rewatch the movie to prepare to go on and right. it was a movie I always remember been like yeah the Titanic's pretty good and it was just for some whatever reason was this last time I don't know if it was all the hoopla of James Cameron but out with Avatar 2 going like technical advancements and all i needed these special effects to be ready and i've been like whatever and then to see the special effects he did in 1997 for titanic and during that like when the boats you know when everything's going crazy and it's all done mostly practically yeah you're kind of going jim what you did here is freaking phenomenal <laughs> like all your cgi stuff i don't care about this this is what filmmaking is right here and you already did it like 25 years ago man like what are you what are you pushing yourself for see but, that's the problem some people just want to always try and top themselves yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, fair, though, I've and, and he's able Avatar to too, so. he's able okay. to i i saw Avatar 2 i saw it the day it came out and it, i was mesmerized um oh, okay. It, it, okay. it's not a three hour and 12 minute movie that deserves to be three hours and 12 minutes you know there are a few lulls in the you know in in the, the story which uh, was was my one complaint about it but i mean visually it was such an amazing movie and it was great seeing it in the theater yeah yeah you know, uh, so I, I can't really complain about that as mentioned though if there's no moments of uh what's his name the sam worthington of him like trying to fight off Stephen Graham in a big mechanized suit and going like, how can the same <laughs> happen to the same guy twice? I'm gonna be thoroughly disappointed. <laughs> I can assure you of that. Well, he doesn't say it, but it but it does happen. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just them chasing off uh, the invading humans in the end, and you know Michelle Rodriguez going like, why does this always happen to us? <laughs> but uh, oh, this is there's I have to say there's there's lines I have beef with in Die Hard too. Uh, that was one of them. Yeah, <laughs> but they but they had to put that in there. You know, I'm glad that they. Uh, I'm glad they, that they, in, they in the subsequent movies they they took those out. But at least this time, you know, it was it was fun to see it. They they just did it too much in this movie. Yeah, and the, another another line I I don't care for is actually in this minute. So as well, I think actually it's the only line in this minute really. <laughs> but uh, but we'll get we'll, there. We'll, we'll, we'll get, get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. So so uh, you know, just to recap. John is right now in the middle of a firefight in the uh, luggage compartment area of the airport uh, with all of these conveyor belts going going uh, with, you know, moving in all different directions with all different sized luggage around there. Lots of places to find different types of weapons or things to shoot at. You know, it's, it's a good target practice place, I guess you could say. And, <laughs> and then John ended up losing his gun in yesterday's minute. And, you know, he's trying to figure out what he's going to do to counterattack or defend himself against uh, both Cochran and Miller. And then a tiger shark golf bag moves uh, across the, you know, the conveyor belt in front of his eyes. And you see, you see his eyes like light up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was like, tiger shark. I understand that's the leading uh, golf club brand in the U.S. currently. Yeah, I mean, I actually tried looking it up, but I, I, I don't know if it's still if if they still manufacture them. I couldn't find a website with Tiger Shark. Well, that, yeah, I, I also looked it up and was quite amused to find the first page of Google was mostly just eBay listings. Yes, for people exactly. People getting, selling, telling rid of Tiger. People selling uh, uh, old old uh, uh, carry bags and stuff like that. Yeah, and then there was a link to a Reddit discussion where someone was like, "Is Tiger Shark any good?" And all the answers were like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> so there might be a reason that you can't find any current uh, Tiger Shark that uh, is very website because like, they went out of, they went out of, like, their only spokesperson was Die Hard too. Well, I found like, oh, I found a great. website, but it's like it looks like a really old website, and nothing really. Th there was no information that was really good on that website. You know, yeah, it was yeah. like the company website, but. You know, I guess someone. When they were trying to go out for product placement, though, and they're like, uh, "What about the Tiger Shark Golf people?" And then like the Tiger Shark people been like, "Is Die Hard Two set on a golf course? Like, what's happening? Like, how can he hide? Like, what was? 
it's just Bruce Willis running around in a, a big green circle where everybody can see each other all the time. Yeah, it's true. All right, but I first want to talk about the the the, the conveyor belts, right? So, uh, when do you think someone invented the modern use of of, of conveyor belts? You know, the, that's got to be like a nineteen, like oh, I'd say that probably goes back quite a way, like nineteen ten, maybe thereabouts. Eighteen ninety two. Oh, I got close. That's 1892. Closest I've been it this was whole week, I think. Yeah, there was a man named Thomas Robbins who uh, continued to. He had a whole bunch of small inventions that eventually led to the conveyor belt, um, and because he was using it to be able to to carry coal and ore and other products, uh, you know, to help with with the with with uh, mining, basically. Um, then they they started creating uh, steel conveyor belts in the early 1900s, 1901. And in 1905, they had even even larger ones that that would work uh, much more efficiently. In 1913, Henry Ford introduced conveyor belt assembly lines at his uh, Michigan uh, Ford Motor Company uh, factory. Huh? And I mean, it's just amazing the the fact of of how this small little idea has become something that's so amazing. That they, I mean, you, literally, like, if you go into like any supermarket these days, there's got to be there will be several conveyor belts on the premises. That's correct. Like, there just yeah, there just needs to be. Yeah, that's right. Now, what do you think the the longest conveyor belt uh, in the world is? How long the do you longest? think? It is? Uh, I don't. That's a good question. Because again, it's been used so, for so mining and stuff like that. You know, so. Yeah, yeah. So you're probably going to go ones that are going way into mountains and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I couldn't. I, I dare not hazard a guess because I'm sure it's probably going to be something insane. It is. It's completely insane. The largest conveyor belt in the world is in the Western Sahara. It was built in 1972. All right. And it is 98 kilometers, 61 miles long. Wow. And it's well, used. What are the... It's used in the. Oh, sorry, you're about to get that. <laughs> it's used in the phosphate mines of Bukra, in the, on the mm. coast south of El uh, Aoun. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, is it still functioning? Is it still as yeah. 1972? As far as, far as I know, as wow. far as I know, it's still functioning. Now, what is the longest conveyor system in an airport? Because again, this is what 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 we're dealing with here. System, uh, not necessarily, because again, it could be going in zigzag fashion or whatever it is. But the, mm, mm. um, I don't know. I'll go LAX because I remember that been one of the answers yesterday. So like maybe maybe they've LA is very flat. Maybe they think oh we don't do uh, crisscross. We do everything's everything's flat and everything's um, across a massive wide space. Yeah, well, yeah, you're in the wrong part of the world. I'm sorry to say, it's it's in Dubai, Dubai, Dubai International oh. Airport. Okay, and and how long do you think? The that that conveyor system is uh about two miles something like that sixty three kilometers which is the equivalent of thirty nine miles wow holy <laughs> moly <laughs> yep I was thinking if you lose your bag on that oh boy <laughs> that's right <laughs> it's gonna be a time <laughs> yeah I mean this this is just these are just amazing lengths that you wouldn't even think of mm. mm-hmm. yeah. You know. Uh, I don't know. I do. I, I enjoy again this whole setup though, because this. Um, I have to check actually what year it came out specifically. 1990. Because this all. Uh, no, the, the, I'm thinking of. Um, did you ever see Child's Play two? Uh, I'm not much of a horror person. I've seen Child's Play. I don't think I saw Child's Play two. Oh well, they're you know they're all they're all uh, pretty much the same. varying degrees. <laughs> pretty 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 good. Oh, actually, no. So the Child's Play two is also 1990, but the the climax of Child's Play two is probably the best climax of the whole. Like the whole saga or whatever, but it's it's inside the good guy doll factory where it looks very much like this, mm. uh, only it's a bit more brightly lit and I've just got like, uh, you know, good guy dolls everywhere and stuff. But it, it turns into things like, well, what can we do with this? It's like, well, people are getting trapped on the conveyor belts and getting like doll eyes shoved in over their own eyes and stuff. And Chucky himself at one point gets like trapped on a thing and put into some kind of weird melting mold thing. So he comes out as a kind of Cronenbergian sort of you know melted pile of plastic flesh goo and stuff like that. It gets really really crazy. It gets like a, a hose shoved in his mouth at one point that 
pulls him up in the air and he explodes and it keeps coming because it's freaking Chucky and stuff. Um, but it, it really, really reminded me of this. It's just like it's full of like zigzaggy conveyor belts all over the place and people riding them and hopping from place to place and stuff. It's a really, really good set piece. But it's weird that it's also out the same year. There must have been yeah. a thing around the time of like, oh, I, I, I wonder if it's the same company. You know, I wonder, if this is... to, I wonder if they said, oh, well, we have this that, that we, we made for Child's Play, or we have this thing that we made for Die Hard 2. Why don't we just, you know, use it in both? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, but one, just one, you you just light like a normal room, uh, and one you light like a carbonite freezing chamber. <laughs> That's right. Uh, oh, this is 20th Century Fox, right? But the Child's Play distributed by Universal, so I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they both got it in a deal or something. But, uh, uh, yeah, could be. Or, great though, or, made, made, or they just spent, or, or both of them spent a hell of a lot of money on conveyor belts. Yeah, it'd be great though. At one point, you see like John McClane going past, and then Chucky's coming on the other conveyor belt. It's like they're just gonna lock eyes. Like, wait a minute, what the hell's happening? Here? <laughs> That's right. Then he picks up the the doll and throws Chucky at at, at Miller. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that would help. That would that would end yeah. things much quicker. Quicker with with well, speaking of Steven Spielberg. I'd like that's like literally a move in Ready Player One. I remember sort of rolling my eyes at things like that because they're just like, yeah, he just like the all the IP are having a fight, and one of them just throws Chucky at another guy because Chucky will just kill people. Right. <laughs> I think I was I, I was like hung up in that movie where like they were using the Iron Giant to fight. Yeah, and it's like. Have you seen the Iron Giants? Do you get what that movie's about? Like, they're like, no, he's like a big, he's a big, a big nuclear powered. But it's an avatar, right? <laughs> it's like, nah, you lost me here, Spielberg. You lost me here. But uh, oh well. Yeah. <laughs> Remember how good Jaws was? It was great. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, we 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 then see you know that the, the golf bag, the tiger shark moved to move to the side. And then we see Miller continuing to creep along, you know, looking around for, for McLean. And you can see in the background, this is something I mentioned earlier this week, you know, those that electrical equipment that they have it behind him, you know, you can once again see NEA listed on it, huh? which I'm like, once again, why did they have to have everything say NEA on it? You know, Northeast Airlines, I don't know. You know, because yeah, hey, it's all fictional. If it was a, if it was a real one, I can say okay, fine. You know, but they actually had to go and put those stickers on there. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a, a, a thing. Then, if it was a real company, you'd roll your eyes even more, though, because it would be such blatant product placement. That's like, right. But but that's the thing. It's product it placement. Like... It's product placement for something that's fake. <laughs> that's yeah. <laughs> I think I, I think I'm, I'm at easy. I go easy on that though, because it's like, well, I remember watching episodes of uh, Poker Face recently, like the new Natasha Leone show, and it's great. But there's like an episode set entirely in a subway, where like there's a guy wearing a subway T-shirt and has an apron on top of that that says subway, and he also has a hat that says subway, and behind him is a giant subway sign. It's just like, <laughs> you're lucky this show is so good because goddamn, I would I would turn it off out of principle right now if this wasn't a, a high quality production. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, but if it was a fake sandwich place, I'd be like, oh, whatever, go ahead, you know, whatever, whatever you got to do. Okay, that, that is fair. I, I agree with you on that one. And then uh, you can see that Miller is, is very nervous because he's sweating. You know, it shows it goes back to what we were saying earlier this week that these are supposed to be trained military men, but he is still, you know, he's out of his element, I guess, because usually he doesn't fight in the baggage compartment, I guess. I don't know. Because I clearly wasn't in. He, you know, he must be recent. He's, he wasn't in. Uh, if he had been out, out in the jungle, he would be. He would be, be used to something like that. Well, he's so old he enough. That the actor Vandy Curtis Hall is old enough to to have been in Vietnam. Uh, so it well, is maybe it's maybe it's that he's that having character. flashbacks. He might be more like, oh Christ, this really reminds me now of like all this, like the the steaming Delta. Like you know, this is the enemy's up. I can't tell where he is. He could be you know he's up in the rafters somewhere. It maybe he's giving him flashbacks, and that's why he's so like, oh, oh God. Hmm. That's an interesting idea. I didn't think about that. Yeah, hmm. that's very possible. I'm, I'm quite happy too, as a, as someone who hosts a show about Batman, because it's very like this is very Batman Begins of like you know him going going into the basement of Arkham and like the Scarecrow like going it's the Batman and like looking up to see where we can see him somewhere and stuff. But uh, yeah, but sadly, like John McClane won't even wear like a Clint Eastwood esque poncho in this shot. He's just sitting. He's not. He's not got the cool theatrics of Batman. He's just there yeah. and his uh beige jumper that's right it's true and you know as miller's walking around we see that that he's surprised by john who uses a golf club against him because 
you know, we, we, we had a little bit of a hint at the beginning of this minute that that's what he was going to be doing. He decided to take a golf club. I mean, for me, it's very strange that someone would check in their golf clubs. Wouldn't, wouldn't it at some point, like, you know, if wouldn't the golf clubs fall out of the bag? Uh, as it's well, on the conveyor belts, because the conveyor belts do go up and down and things like that, you know, and even even if you think about uh, it, when it comes out, you know, when, you, when you're waiting for the at the carousel, you know, you don't know which side it's going to be coming from. So I'm, I'm, I wonder if they have, yeah, like they might have, um, for the reasons of like the vis- visual cues in the film, they had to be like, well, maybe in real life, someone would like zip up the top of the bag. So that would not happen. Uh, it's very uh, but you can't just have a, like a tiger shark bag going past people are like, what the hell's that? Uh, but then, so we had the bag open. Then people go like, Oh, it's golf clubs. And then that, Oh, that's where he got the, but the thing is, I don't think you even need to like signify to people like there's golf clubs going past. If John McClane just shows up with some golf clubs, you're going to be like, Oh, he obviously took them off the conveyor belt. Like it's not good. It's not rocket science, you know, but um, yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, and then two have had it been had it been the ski that you said that was originally yes. supposed to be mm-hmm. script, scripted as being ski pole, like what would that have been in a bag as well, or would it have been like loose ski poles just lying on a conveyor belt? How would that have been? Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I I did a search for you know if you if about the rules if you want to you know check in your your golf clubs on a on a on a plane. Hmm. Mm. That's a. Uh, I don't you know because I'm still thinking of like you know. Uh, you definitely wouldn't want to bring them on the plane with you. Yeah, no, no, of course, <laughs> of course. But uh, you know, like for instance, they say that that you know, that most airlines treat golf clubs as standard luggage, meaning that there's a weight limit, but no oversized baggage fee. And if your clubs yeah. go missing, they will replace them. You know, but uh, obviously it deals with a lot of uh, of of paperwork if need be. Mm-hmm. But if it da- yeah. it's damaged, they won't necessarily, most airlines will not compensate you for them because it's, it's your fault for the way you packed it. You know, ah, uh. <laughs> like you, I mean, like, there's gotta be, gonna be some paperwork filled out after like, well, my golf club was in the shape of a, like some sort of terrorist goon. It was bent around, like, look, it has been bent around some guy's head for a second. That's right. And then many of the airlines actually, uh, tell you what you're allowed to have in this golf bag. You can have, you know, clubs, balls, tees, uh, one pair of shoes, and things like that. And if if they find that you've hidden other things in the golf bag, you know, you can you can get charged extra fees oh, oh. and things like that. It's, hearing things like this is why, like, the flashbacks as to why I I only pack light. Like, yeah. If I was going on a, a golfing trip, I'd be like, I'll just rent some clubs <laughs> exactly. when I get there. Like. A, <laughs> Rather than haul these things across, unless it's like a, it could be to be fair, maybe it's like freaking you know, yeah. professional golfers or something are going around here. But like, uh, correct. They say make sure you fly direct because you don't want to lose your your you know golf bag along the way. Um, mm, mm. And uh, the problem is you should be careful that you don't have uh, souvenirs or things with sentimental value within it because uh, you know if it if it gets lost, you're in, you're in for a lot of trouble. Um, make sure that you. I mean, I can imagine so. Make sure, make sure you use something that's that's high quality. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's like it seems like an you know, to be fair, it seems like an ordeal, and it turns out it is an ordeal for whoever owns these golf clubs. So, yes. <laughs> because this is gonna. Well, although it seems that you know, the, the amount of complaints you get about American Airlines, it might be more like, ah, no, we 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 would have lost them anyway. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, true. No, actually, quite frankly, it's shocking that you found them damaged. Yeah, like when they showed up, it's like, well, you, you got them at all. You should count as a blessing. Well, whoever, whoever these, whoever these uh, sticks belong to, they they will be, you know, missing at least one golf club. I'll admit, right at the end, though, you see like William Atherton at like baggage claim, like post credits scene of William Atherton at a baggage claim, go like all his clothes have been like just lying around all over the floor, <laughs> and then it's like, what the hell happened to my golf clubs? Yeah. I mean, I, unfortunately, that wouldn't work because he's still on the plane. But yeah, okay, forget it. That's, uh, that's, that's, uh, post credit, exactly. post credit. You do the uh, yeah. yeah, that's true. But uh, yeah, so it's it's great the way that they do that. And uh, you know, then they begin a little bit of a uh, a fight between the two of them. So Miller counters with a karate kick. John actually starts kicking him back. Uh, they start to punch one another back and forth. And then uh, Miller kicks kicks John in the leg, and he falls down. And then uh, as soon as, as Miller gets ready once again to, to, to kick him, John grabs his shoulders 
uh, you know, both of both of Miller's shoulders and pulls him towards him, uh, smashing his head against like a metal beam that's on top of uh, John, and then like he butt heads him afterwards, and then uh, Miller Miller uh, falls on the ground, and he flies over some of the luggage. There's there's uh, you know, uh, some someone 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 now their bag has been damaged by this airline. Uh, you know, <laughs> get prepared to to uh, sue NEA, you know, for that, I guess. Mm. Um, and as this happens... I'm surprised that they, 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 they keep it quite low-key to all the stuff that comes out. Yeah. I'm surprised they're not, like... You could, there's so many jokes you could tell yeah, for sure. things coming out of those suitcases. For sure. <laughs> it's like, like, no, let's, let's refrain. Let's just go, you know. That's right. It's, 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 just, it's, just, it's just, you know, clothes and... Yeah. and Anything that's hairspray, I guess. Right. Well, not yet. Uh, not yet. First of all, we, we get a shot of the walkie-talkie flying, uh, uh, you know, uh, flying across the ground, which you totally forget about. Even though this will be mentioned later. You know, this is uh, you know Chekhov's uh, walkie-talkie, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, then then uh, Miller gets up and he he picks picks a suitcase up and throws it at John, and then we see clothes fall all over the place. But you're right. I'm glad they just kept it a close and didn't show us anything else that could be coming out of someone's, uh, yeah, you know, uh, luggage. <laughs> and then John, uh, this makes me think of the uh, the classic Fight Club scene of them, you know, Ed, Ed Norton trying to collect his bag that's supposed to be, you know, my 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 bag was vibrating. He's <laughs> like, oh, you know, sometimes it's a bomb, but most times it's a dildo. That's right. Uh, so it's like they could they, they could have done it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a mere nine years away from making the same joke. That's but, right. Uh, but I think the tone of this movie it it isn't a, it would be less appropriate in this movie to do that in the yeah, tone. Yeah. You know, and then um, you know, then then we see that John runs towards him, and then as Miller is getting ready to hit him again, John like sprays him with uh, some sort of hairspray. You know, directly in his eyes, and he starts screaming, and and you know his eyes are burning, and as it's happening, mm. the, the 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 spray can, the aerosol can, just explodes in his hand. You yeah, know, you can yeah. see that 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 uh, you know that that then we they showed Cochrane who just shot it. So my first thought is is why did Cochrane shoot? You know, if if he's such a great shot, so the first thing you do is you shoot John in the head. That's also gonna stop. Yeah. <laughs> that's also gonna stop him from spraying your friend in the in in the face with with a uh, you know with hairspray. And yeah. maybe it's because he's such a good shot. He's like, I want to show off. Like I think shooting the guy is easy, but shooting that can from this distance. Come yeah, on. but and then afterwards he'd be saying, like, did you see it? It's like, no, I was have my eyes were got freaking hairspray. I'm freaking person. blind. How did I see it? <laughs> And, um, I will I will give uh, the 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 Colonel Stewart uh, units a little bit more uh, credit here over uh, Hans Gruber's crew uh, because at, at the moment you you've been through the movie minute by minute I think it's only really Carl in the first movie who's like a proper like fist fisticuffs yes. a proper like, I know there's there's a physical altercation with Tony but I think the rest of the crew they're all just right going. well that didn't help with Tony Carl the, the, the guy who can actually like properly. With, Fight, fight. Right. Know, with so. with Tony, the fisticuffs didn't really work for him. <laughs> he wasn't a yeah, fisticuffs yeah, type but, of guy. So this this movie is really, it, you know, it does the sequel thing of really amping things up because you get a gunfight and then you're you're already in the McLean getting his ass whooped. That's right. Like you know, in in, in hand to hand combat, here, and it's still only what minute fifteen. That's so right. you know they're 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 amping things up straight away. But uh, although it may sense some people would prefer like the because uh, I think they do repeat the pattern then in three. Although it's a long time before McLean even gets into any shootouts in three, because he's running around the city. That's so much. right. But uh, but then eventually you just get to the, the one guy who can like beat him up. Uh, whereas this movie is just like, no, they're all they're all military guys. They could all kick his That's ass right. theoretically. <laughs> so. But he doesn't get into fights with fist fights with many of them. That's the thing. You know, mm. um, you know, we have now and then we have on the on the on the wing of the airplane. I don't think there's any other place where John gets into a fist fight with somebody. If I, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah. You know, he gets into shooting fights with them, but I don't know about fist fights. Unless you count, it, yeah. oh, actually, unless you count, uh, uh, you know, an uh, an icicle in the eye. Okay, there, there's oh one. yeah, there is one there. Yeah, I'm, I'm really stunned that this movie managed to refrain from uh, having McLean shoeless in the snow. 
It seems like there should have been a scene of that. Like there should have been like, well, he's out running, he's just having a shooting match in the snow. But this is the famous shoeless guy, right? This is shoeless John McClane. It's like he just he was out without shoes that one movie, okay? But uh, but I'm really stunned that they like the amount of little beats they repeat. They're like, well, can we have one scene where he doesn't have shoes just for the sake of it? Like, no. Well, I think I think not. I think John Lynch's lesson. I think that's what it comes down to. You see now, if he pulls up his uh, trouser leg, he's got like straps right up to his knee. That's <laughs> like, right. like, These are never coming That's off. right. <laughs> this is my size. And, uh, and the... Sock suspenders all kind of like every night. Holly's like, John, take off the shoes. Like, never, never, <laughs> never again. Lying in bed. I did it once. Lovely, I, I did it once and I, I ended up stepping on glass. A lot of glass. <laughs> If he went, if they, oh, that'd be that'd be a thing if it was ever Die Hard in Japan. Oh, he'd be screwed. He's like, no, I can't, I can't go into <laughs> anywhere. Now. That's true. It's a good point. Very good point. And yeah. th- this is the point where we we get the 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 one piece of dialogue in this minute that you have stated that you hate, where John says, "What is this tag team?" Yeah, it's it's a, 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 maybe hates a strong word. I think it's there's a lot of elements of like, well, we have to repeat the tone of the first movie. And McLean was always wisecracking. This feels like it's, and you, uh, you have the script, so maybe you can verify if this is true or not. It feels like this is an ADR thing where they were like, we need to have him say something funny here. Like, this, this was just a straight action scene. And they're like, eh, we need it to be quippier because it's diehard. And a lot of the quips they come up with in this movie, I don't care for. Some of them are great. Some of them, not so much. Like, there's one later on, with the, the one with the parachute. Right. Where he's like, where's the door? Like, I hate that. No, he actually so goes, much. where's the door? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just such a kind of like, uh, it's a real, it's like, it's a, it's like a line from a kid's yeah. movie. And it's like, well, that is, it's many things. It's not a kid's movie. Like, I guess kids, I watched it when I was a kid, but it wasn't a kid's movie. Uh, and yeah, it's, it, it, this really strikes me as a thing of like them after the fact going, eh, add a, add a button here. Have a little thing. And then, well, what have we got? What can he say? Well, he already knows there's two of them. But he can say, well, this is a test. If he didn't know there was another guy there, then maybe I would accept the more. But he went in knowing he had to fight two guys. Right. And then to suddenly be like, well, is this a tag team? It's like, yeah, it doesn't, it's, it's not, it's, yeah, it doesn't sparkle. Right. Okay, not, no, that, that is completely fair. I mean, have, have you ever seen the movie The Last Boy Scout with, uh, with Bruce Willis? Oh, love, so, love. So the last yeah. scene in that movie is he's explaining to Jimmy, you know, uh, Hallenbeck is explaining to Jimmy and he goes, well, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta be ready with the quips. You know, if you hit a guy with a surfboard, what are you going to say? And he goes, surf's up. And he goes, you're right. That's the way it is. So, you know, he, he's basically explaining in that movie, which comes out a year after this one, you know, why they need to have these quips in there. You know, we, we yeah. like that. The thing is, the last, they're, last fun. Is, they're, they're, they're such fun having a, those quips. Oh, no, but like the, the, the last Boy Scout quips, they're so, they're so overwrought. Yes. That they're like to the point of being ridiculous, where I'm just like, oh no, this is a whole different level. Yes. <laughs> like I, I don't mind them being like terrible because they're like, no, the whole movie, that's that's the tone. Right. You know? But um, but it's just, oh, but no, you know, no, he has so many great lines, and like I was just trying to think of any of them. It's like there's so many, there's yeah. so many good lines in the last one. Scott. Yes. Uh, but all of them are very like arbitrarily set up to be like, well, this is gonna be a, you have to have the goon say a thing that he can respond to. As you know, it's so kind of like, well, we're we're just here having fun. You That's know, right. It has this real like, oh, this would never happen. Every... Whereas with Die Hard, it's kind of like, well, a guy might say that say that in this scenario. True. But the uh, last boy scout's like, no, no one would ever say that in these scenarios because these scenarios would never happen right. because the whole movie is ridiculous. That's true. That's one of my major disappointment of watching uh, when they tried to make the Super Bowl a thing in you know over here. We knew what the Super Bowl was, but we never watched it because it was like it's American football. But about ten years ago. There was like a heavy promotion where like we are going to make the Super Bowl a thing outside of America. It's going to be big in England. It's going to be big in Ireland. Uh, and people watched it that night and we we're like so bored. So it's like, oh, my God, you stopped the game like every five seconds to reset the ball. What's going on? Uh, and my major disappointment was like, I saw the last Boy Scout. I was expecting it to be like pouring rain and for guys that has been whipping out guns on the field and stuff. And none of that's happened. This is a horrific disappointment. <laughs> Yeah, but that wasn't. That's not professional with Friday baseball. Night for football yeah, or like any Friday night a great night for football. Yeah, I love that song. I guess maybe it'd have to be like, well, it's Sunday. You know? <laughs> they'd have to alter the lyrics, right? right? And if you're altering the division, well, why play it at all? That's right. There you go. <laughs> and at this point, John jumps for cover on the conveyor belt, and you know, uh, we see we actually can see there a 
a like TV screen that has a list of, of flights. You know, it must be like arrivals or something like that. But again, why would they have that in there? Unless it's trying to tell people, uh, you know, which conveyor belt has which, um, you know, which which flight's luggage or something like that. I don't know. It just, I, I got to imagine you, you you might need something like that in there. No, but there's, know, nobody like when... in, in, <laughs> there's nobody in there. Well, that, that's the thing. That it would make more sense if the place had people in it. That's right. <laughs> As it is, it's like, well, like it's, it's a, not a, a populated unseen robots doing this right. or what, what It's is not it? po- It's populated by Miller and Cochran. That's who it's populated by. That's it. You know. Yeah. But in theory, though, I can imagine, like, yeah, you you just have it there for I don't know, maybe flights are running yeah. late or something. Yeah, sure. You you take the bags aside or something like that, maybe. maybe. But could be. And and then uh, Cochran keeps shooting again. And uh, the the shots actually come quite close to, to John, but misses. So once again, you know, we saw a little bit earlier that that Cochran is a great shot because he can shoot an aerosol can in someone's hand, uh, but he can't actually get the larger target of the person. So <laughs> he might be like afterwards. He's actually not a great shot. He's like, can you believe I shot that freaking can? Like I was aware. I thought I was going to get anywhere near. I was I was, I was aiming for Miller. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I hate Miller so much. <laughs> Like we finally saw my chance. Damn it! Damn it! I've only had, I paid attention at the Colonel Stewart's uh, target. That's right. That's right. And then uh, John seems to disappear, and then Cochran starts looking around for him. We see that he climbs up some stairs and starts looking around, and then we hear this 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 banshee uh, scream. <laughs> and then we see John jump at him, and then we get the freeze frame to end this week. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the. Uh... <laughs> I know he's doing a jump, but the way it, the clip ends, it almost looks as if he's just tripped and is falling off the thing. Because he has a look of panic on his face as well. Like, yeah. But uh, it's no, it's much in, in context. It's much more dignified what he's doing. But, yeah. Um, and he's quite. He's not quite at the Arnie. Yelp. Yeah. And if uh, and if you look at the you know, at the exact sixty second mark here, you know his eyes are like bulging out of his out of his head as he's mm-hmm. as he's screaming and jumping. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty funny. Uh, it's a pretty funny shot. If I if I remember correctly, old... I'm gonna I'm gonna try and use that picture for the uh, picture of this episode. <laughs> oh, totally, totally. That's what it's what it's a real thing too. It's always a real treat in doing movies by minute treatment when you discover like where the minute cuts and with something like that, you're like, oh, great. Yes. <laughs> like <laughs> it's always a joy. Yeah. Although you get the opposite end where you're like in the when you're enraptured in a scene and then the minute cuts and you're like, oh god, that's, that's right. <laughs> like. Especially if it's at the end of the week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this uh, our upcoming season, Mask of the Phantasm, big iconic moment of Batman in the Batcave, but on the, the mask for the first time, cuts, cuts as he's putting the mask. Oh wow! Annoying as all hell. But, uh, yeah, well, you know, unfortunately, oh, wow. people oh. don't make movies with us in mind. You know about how they're gonna, where they're gonna cut their minutes. No. <laughs> but you know we. But we yeah. well, maybe maybe someday but no, maybe but someday, we get Rob. back at them and we're we're able to still talk about it the way that it that they made the movie. You know, if a, if a scene gets cut, we talk about it that, yeah. that way. You know, and that, that uh, that's the way that's um, the way we do it. <laughs> I'm guessing you you would have talked a bit about uh, the actor playing Cochran, though. Like in the, um, the I, I, spoke to, I spoke I spoke right? a little bit about him last week, but but go ahead if you want to if you have anything to say about him. Um, no, the only big thing I, I like, I was like, oh, it's that guy. Because um, originally when I was looking him up, I thought for a second, so I wasn't too sure of the character names. I thought it was uh, they were saying an IMDb. It was uh, I'm called Mark Boone Jr. Oh, he's. I was like, get the I'm hell waiting. Out of here. I'm it. waiting. No I'm waiting to, to to come across him in this movie. I'm waiting for it. Oh, that was a real thing too. I was like, he's. I didn't even know he was in Die Hard too. I was like, he's in this movie. Because he looks so different, I was like, "Holy Christ, that's him!" But no, no, it's, it's not him. It's not him. Not him. Yeah. He 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 does appear here, and you know, I I recently was on the you know a Memento minute, and I had him in that scene, oh. and I was like, I can't believe that this is the same guy who was you know just ten years earlier was in, was in Die Hard, and he looks one way in Die Hard and then a completely different way in in Dude. Memento. Yeah, when he hit, when he hits the two thousands, he kind of sticks to that yes. look then because he's in that you know he's in an episode of Kirby Enthusiasm. Yeah. I remember he has that, and, and also and he's, he's in, of course Batman again. He's in um uh the, the, was it Sons of Anarchy? He he plays a uh, yeah you know and yeah. he looks the same you know for the last twenty three years since Memento he stayed the same but you know I'm I'm yeah. waiting for the 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 opportunity to see 
where he is in this movie. Mm, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, it was too the, the, when they said the um, Shockley. His character name is Shockley. Shockley. I was like, is he the guy who gets electrocuted? Is that the joke? And I was like, no, no, <laughs> tragically not, tragically not. Uh, but no, so this is uh, John Costello. It was. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation. John Costello, Costello, or something. Um, how, how did I pronounce it when I was uh, last week? Uh, uh, I think I think his John John Costello. Costello. John Costello. 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 So in my mind, I, I put an extra T in yeah. there. It's gone to Stelto. Is it? No, it's no I think it's John Costello. No, but I, just, I mostly remember him. He's uh, for his part in The Sopranos. Correct. He was because uh, I'm a big Sopranos guy, uh, and he was in the, the late season when. Um, the second to last season, I think, when one of the big story arcs was that uh, one of the crew, Vito, they discovered that he was gay, and he was the, the, his partner was uh, was Cochran, uh, you know, big big handlebar mustache and stuff on him, and um, yeah, that was like, oh my god, that's who that that guy is. Um, well, sort of the the later day, one of the most iconic storylines from The Sopranos, where you they highlight like, oh, by the way, all these gangster guys that you love, they're crazy homophobic. Yeah. They're horrible people, just so you remember. <laughs> like, oh yeah, no, I guess they actually are absolute, you know, trash people and stuff. But yeah, yeah, and uh, spoilers, you know, things don't end so well for Vito because of it as well. Um, yeah, that's true. I know it's a, if you if you're a big Sopranos fan too, you know that the guy played Vito went on to do. He's he's like a just a, a meme gold. Mine, that's uh, that Joe Joe uh, Ganascoli. Yeah, yeah. Apparently now he does like. He's very egotistical about the fact that he was in The Sopranos, and he does like catered events where he cooks everything for you, but it's like two grand. Oh wow! And the whole thing is like you've got the honor of meeting this guy from The Sopranos, and you're like, <laughs> you're not like, it's not like freaking Paulie Walnuts is cooking you dinner. <laughs> like it's like, oh, uh, Vito, the guy from like season six. Like, I guess he was in The Sopranos. <laughs> you know, it really would be like, well, am I meeting Lorraine Bracco or something? No. <laughs> You're meeting some guy you might not even remember, <laughs> but, right? Uh, but yeah, no. But the fair, the fair as, as an actor, he actually did great in that season, and um, yeah, it was you know actually ended up in a very sad storyline. But uh, him and Cochran, uh, John Costello, uh, did some great work together. Yeah, so, I mean, um, I mentioned this last week. He was he was a firefighter for eleven years. While he was making this movie, he was a firefighter. Oh, you know, oh. and he was he he worked with Steve Buscemi. The two of them were firefighters together. Oh yeah, and they're, yeah. They're, I still they're great friends. Weird because like this guy looks like a firefighter to me. Steve Buscemi has never looked no. like a firefighter. Steve, like I know that Buscemi doesn't even look like an just... actor. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but he looks like so it's just scrawny little guys. Like you, were they desperate for firefighters in New York? So <laughs> like did that guy did it? But apparently that he's still like he's Buscemi still tight with him. Like he, he well, no. on occasion will pop by the firehouse and stuff. And, well, with who? Uh, not with John with the with the fire just with the fire with the firefighters yeah but not not with John Costello because John Costello no, unfortunately no. Uh, committed suicide in two thousand eight. Oh the suicide! Oh, I seen that he died. I didn't see it was suicide. Yeah, he, oh, shot that's him, he shot himself, and so I. Oh man. Yeah. Um. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's another downside to movies by minute stuff. Whereas when you start getting into the all the like the, the lesser sung actors. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I can't wait to get into this guy's career. And then you, it's always a little thing of like, oh, well, are they up to the, oh, no. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, particularly when someone is like, well, he would have been like 40 something when he died. It's like, oh, that's, that's no he was born, in, he was born in 61 and he died in 2008. So he was 40, 48. Yeah, 40, yeah, for 40, 48, 47, thereabouts. Yeah. yeah. No, it was 48. Uh, yeah, it was a month after his 48th birthday. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just really, it's, it's always just like a real like. Oh, I can't wait to get into the. Well, no, for, I, I had a similar thing. I was, I was, you know, sending out messages to all these minor characters in the movie, you know, trying to, 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 you know, telling them what I'm doing and hoping, hoping that somebody will respond to me. And then I get to him, and I'm like, oh, cool, I'll be able to contact Cochran. And then I saw that he passed away, and I was like, I don't think I'm gonna be able to get in touch with him. Yeah. I mean, you know, there is always the Ouija board, but the, how reliable are they? Mm, quite frankly? Yeah, terrible, terrible reception over Skype as well. I understand. Yeah, I don't really know uh, how. how uh, it'll, it'll be a little, it'll a little more difficult to to interview someone that way. Yeah, that's what. Weirdly enough, on Batman, we've had we've not had that many big deaths because a lot of the people who were in those those main Batman movies, nearly all of them are still going. Well, um, like Jack Nicholson's still going, friggin' Keaton's still going, Dan DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer, like all, all the big stars are all still. Yeah, but Michael Michael Go is probably has has passed away. 
Yeah, him and Pat Hingle were both gone. But, exactly. they, they, but they, they, you know, Michael Gobb kind of looked like he was ready to die in 89, quite frankly. Well, he, he almost um, did in Batman and Robin, so. But, but yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, and I'm sure you know yeah. about this, the, the, you know, the goof where he moves uh, in Batman Forever, you know, after he gets knocked out by. Uh, yeah, yeah, know. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always love watching that. You but, just uh, seem like, just like move over. <laughs> it's like, you missed your mark. <laughs> <laughs> but, um. But no, the, the sad thing, the Mask of the Phantasm, though, is like it's mired in death. It's like it's even then too when we were getting ready to start recording. It was like around the time Kevin Conroy died, and I'm like, oh my god, now the whole season has a like kind of tinge of tragedy. Yeah, it. yeah, it's like Abe Vigoda and freaking Dick Miller, like freaking all of these guys. Like, yeah, they're all dead. <laughs> it's just like, oh, well, it's a bit of a bummer. But uh, but yeah, yeah, you know, it catches up with all of us. Like, that's true. It's the, it's the minutes, one thing. It's the one thing you can't get. It's one thing we can't get away from. But that's that was also why it, with the Great Escape, when I did the Great Escape, everyone is dead there. There are three. Yeah. There were there were three actors that that were still alive, and I actually got to interview one of them, so it was great. Oh, nice, 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 nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the dude like Richard Attenborough, as if he wasn't hanging on, because <laughs> that guy was around for a while. Well, Richard Attenborough, so he, did, he he died about ten years ago, and he was suffering from Alzheimer's for a few years, so you know that that wouldn't oh, have uh, that wouldn't have helped uh, anyway. Mm. But it's just always so weird that you see like. Because over here, you still get, you know, Brighton Rock still pops up on TV all the time. And seeing him is like, oh, yeah, little Dickie Attenborough. Right. They always call him back then. It's like, <laughs> like you mean that crusty old guy from Jurassic Park? It's like, yes, he was once a young man. Somehow. Well, somehow we, we, we actually had a debate at one point if it's possible that um, that the character in Jurassic Park is actually a clone of uh, Big X. Ah. <laughs> I think you're gonna say like the, the clone of the character from Brighton Rock. It's like, yeah, he managed he escaped and then he somehow made his millions and cloned himself and became the owner of Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Mm. No. <laughs> Not at all. Okay, so you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into the script? No, no. No, I think that's um I believe that's yeah, that's okay, me. That's so me. The, the, this minute script is entirely uh description for obvious reasons. So it it, it you know, we ended things with the script yesterday, talking about that uh, that John sees a pair of skis, and then it says Miller moves forward expertly, gun ready. Whap! A ski pole smacks down on his wrist. The gun drops onto a conveyor belt, fires, then moves away, obscured by moving luggage. Now, again, my biggest question would be: Is why would they write that he's gonna, you know, hit him in the hand with the the skis instead of hitting him in the face? I don't know. Mm. Mm. McLean's at the. I don't know, maybe he just wants, maybe he's like, I killed so many guys in Nakatomi. I just want to be able to arrest them. <laughs> or maybe he just wants information. He's like, I don't want to risk killing him. So I'll just hit him yeah. in the hands, at least, just to make sure he's disarmed. And then it's going to be like a fair fight, I guess. Okay, that makes sense. So then it says McLean steps in, punches Miller, gets hit hard himself. Both roll over onto the new, onto the new conveyor belt. Cochran, hearing the shot, tries to pinpoint the location, but with all the echoes, it's very hard. McLean and Miller continue to fight hand in hand. Miller starts pressing the ski pole against McLean's throat. McLean tries to do the same thing back. They spin, smash into a pile of suitcases, some of which spill open. Miller gets in a powerful punch, gets free. The camera follows Miller as his hand gropes for the pistol, and then McLean rolls into view with hairspray right in the guy's eyes. Miller howls, blinded, but then, blam, a bullet explodes the can in McLean's hand. Cochran is there. McLean leaps like Tarzan to the bottom of the higher empty return belt. The momentum swings him right towards Cochran. So you were completely right. The phrase of, what is this, the tag team is eighty yard in? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not, I, not I, I, I'm willing to bet that friggin', that parachute line's added in after too. I'll, I'll, I'll be willing to put money down on that. So I'll be I'll be listening to that episode just to see if I'm right. <laughs> all right. Well, I hope you're listening to all episodes, not just the episodes you know that you want to try and find. <laughs> if it was ADR, you know, so. I'll listen to that one twice. There you go. It's there you go. Just to revel in my rightness, I guess. <laughs> oh, great, great. Good luck with that. <laughs> I'll have to try and remember when I record it to 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 mention it to you. <laughs> Wait. But um, I'm actually surprised considering we got the Tiger Shark product placement in. I'm surprised no uh, no hair care companies stepped up to be like, do you want to be 
the hairspray that saves John McClane's life, like L'Oreal or someone getting in. Yeah, like, but you, yeah, you get like a body body form. But but you do need to, to take into consideration that it explodes, so it gets destroyed. So I don't know if someone wants that as a as a product placement. I don't know. It's still it's still it's doing it's doing the Lord's work, you know. <laughs> like right. it's still saving the day. So. Okay. But like, well, it was blown up by bad people. So you know, that's true. It's, uh, but it, it went out in a blaze of glory. Although, also, kind of, if it was like Die Hard Five, there's no way that that hand would, that can would have like blown up. It'd be like, you know, it, sh- it gets shot in a very realistic fashion in this. I can imagine in later action movies there'd be like a ball of flame yeah. or something. Because it's like, oh, they're flammable, right? So of course it's gonna it's gonna like it properly explode in his hands. That's right. But I don't know why they didn't yeah. do that. All right. So every Friday I have a segment called Where Are They Up To This Weekend? Where I basically test my guest about uh, some some of their favorite movies. Okay. So since you've done the Batman, so you've done uh, uh, the, the four Batman movies from the late 80s, early 90s, Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, and Batman and Robin. So I want you to try and you know, go back in time and and think, you know, what is happening in each of these movies, you know, at the end of the third week, beginning of the fourth week, you know, between minutes 15 and 16. Oh, OK. So that's the thing I could almost verify each because I've got, you know, I've got. The, no, but I don't want you to look up, look it up. I want I want to see if you know it from memory. Oh, no, I'll, 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 I'll pause <laughs> it, I guess, and then see if I'm right. I, I can uh, tell you. I'll, I'll be able to tell you if you're right. I, I looked it up myself also, obviously. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, you, oh, you thought ahead. Of course <laughs> I thought ahead. You've organized the show ahead of time. Mm, uh, I, I say week three of Batman. The end of week three. That would be... The, the, um, the end of again, week we're three talking the, be... the cusp between week three and week four. Week three and week four. Because Batman, the first week was all credits. I remember that. It'll be then... Uh, end of week three. I'd say it'd be around... It'll be probably near enough around the time of... What are you? I'm Batman. Uh, that feel that feels about right to me. I feel there's, there's a solid week of credits. Then there's all the setup of the family wandering around, and then week three you'd get Batman actually, like, or maybe it wouldn't even be that far. It might even just be like him descending behind them, like the really cool shot of them sitting huddled and talking about like Johnny Gobbs and stuff, and then the seeing the silhouette coming down behind them. So I'd, I'd say that's about the end of week three. If I, if I had to hazard a guess. Okay, well, uh, you you are unfortunately incorrect based on. Based on based on on my oh, research. Oh wait a minute, wait a minute. I think I think there's a mix-up here now because we do it three minutes. We do three minutes a week, so the end of week three for us would be like minute nine. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> so minute fifteen, where that would be, that would probably be like you'd be into like uh, Eckhart and Knox thereabouts. I'd imagine something around there. No, Eckhart and Knox are actually a little before that also. Uh, Eckhart. Oh, okay. Eckhart and Knox are. Uh, basically, the, the the minute that I'm referring to between minutes 15 and 16 is you have uh, Grissom in his office with all of his goons, you know, telling them oh. that uh, he's starting to get nervous about uh, about Harvey Dent. And then uh, Jack yes. gives him the idea and says to him that we should yeah. go trash the office. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, get someone else to do this. There's fumes in that place. There you go. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Oh, I love that. I think that's still... It's weird, that my, my roundabout journey with the Batman movies, going from, like, you know, the such hardcore and, like, oh, The Dark Knight's the greatest movie ever made back in, like, 2008 and stuff. And have like after doing, like, five seasons now, been like, I think that 89 movie is still the best. <laughs> I think, I think they, they nailed it so well in that first film. Um, but, yeah, yeah, of course, great Jack Palance. It was such a joy to be able to talk about yeah. him back then, too. It was one of those ones, too. Like, you got... <laughs> Like him, we we got so involved in the character of Eckhart as well that when he died, it was genuinely like emotional for us. Like, oh, he's not in the rest of the film now. We have to stop talking about it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's move along to Batman Returns. What do you think happens okay. between minute, minute 15 and 16? Minute 15 and 16 of Batman Returns would be... That's good. That'll be mid Red Triangle circus attack. Very good. That's like that's, it's with, that takes up a good chunk of the of the start. That's I think, right. So. It's it's uh, the the you know Batman fighting with the circus freaks. Mm. Yeah. So yes, you got that one right. Great. Okay, let's move on to Batman Forever. What's happening between minutes fifteen and sixteen? Uh, Batman Forever. I would posit it's probably around the time when the safe is dangling 
from the helicopter. Because I feel it's a good, there's a good, because Batman Forever gets into things a lot faster. Uh, it starts with a big, and then there's a there's a there's a skirmish. I'd say it'd be in fifteen sixteen. I'd say you're probably yeah, the two face hauling out that giant safe and dangling it above the city from the helicopter. That, that's that strikes me as being right. Yeah, uh, nope, you you got that one wrong. Also, sorry. Uh, this this oh. is when uh, uh, Enigma meets Wayne and shows him his adventure. Oh wow. Okay, well, so there's a, yeah, they really got things out of the way in there in that movie because I thought that like oh, it's like twenty minutes of solid action. It's like no, no, the action the action is done at that point. <laughs> yeah. All right, and for the final and then, final one, Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin's probably like the first to be the introduction of Pamela Isley. Like it'll be going off or seeing like John Glover, Jason Woodrue, and all this craziness happening in the jungle. I imagine. I think that's because it, it follows the formula of Batman Forever so strictly that it's kind of like repeating a lot of the same beats. So it would not be surprising. Like, well, we met Edward Nigma and then it's, you know, Nigma and Bruce Wayne met in, uh, you know, minute 15, 16 of Forever. So you're meeting basically the kind of new version of that uh, with, you know, Pamela Isley. All right. And, uh, you, you are really, really close on that one. So I'm, I'm going to give you that one because it's. The the end of fifteen is where Batman has to defrost Robin, and then the beginning of sixteen oh, yeah. is where we're introduced to, to Poison Ivy, where her experiment fails. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, I, I give you this. That's uh, not bad. You got two out of four. That's pretty good. No, no, oh. that, was, that was me quoting a minute because <laughs> <laughs> the first time you see her, she goes, "Curses." Oops. <laughs> the first time you see her, and the last time you see her. <laughs> Uh, suppose says the same thing. There's a little. It's almost as if they they try to do a little mirror image thing of her. But the thing is, though, we still have no idea how Poison Ivy is defeated in that movie. Like if you, I, don't know, I, if you I watched, watched Batman all four of them this week in order to be prepared to talk about it with you. So yes, I've I've rewatched oh, all nice, four nice. and I've so I've, what, what... I've reviewed all four. Also, you can even go online and 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 check my website and see rev- new reviews of all four of them. Oh, what, no, what was your favorite? No by by, oh. by far, it's, so it's always to a me, big there's a very right? very big gap between the first one and the second one, even. Oh, you know, and 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 I oh, saw all four I, of them I, in I the theater. Love you know, Batman Returns so much, but you know, uh, oh oh yeah. yeah. But I I still remember all the hype in '89. You know, when when Batman came out, and to me, that and the original Superman is what led the groundwork for MCU. You know. There's, there's yeah, no question about that because those totally. are the you know and, and it's it's ironic that those are both DC movies, you know. I, I'm a I'm a bigger mm. DC fan than than Marvel. But, the, but, yeah, which is what, yeah. I think that's the same. The same thing happens to me with um, and it still didn't fade after re- reviewing it for like 120 you know episodes. Is that like I was eight when Batman Forever came out. And so every time I see a single image from that movie, which is a very flawed movie, and we had tons of people coming on that season going like, "This film is garbage," and I was like, "No, no okay, I wouldn't say it's the greatest it's film like I've ever made, and I wouldn't say it's garbage. It's, it's like, somewhere in the middle." No, but I'm just so like the the imagery of just like yeah, that the bat symbol with a question mark around it, and just like the U2 song and stuff is all like no, oh, there's, there's definitely some great like, stuff in Batman Forever. The thing I didn't like that that Schumacher did was the the whole idea of the colors. The color schemes, which which yeah. you know, there's so many That's different a... flashing you know rainbow colors all around, and I just find that really strange. I mean that that's obviously his his okay. version of Gotham. That's what happens in Gotham. I understand that, but it it was I found it distracting. Yeah, it's... yeah. Oh no, I'm 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 100 on uh, on board with it. It's like because you it's weird if you go and watch um, some of Flatliners. There's, there's images in the city and flatliners like right. Schumacher's Gotham. You already did it beforehand, so you can kind of see like the through line. Of like, <laughs> oh, this guy, maybe you know, right. maybe he could do this kind of. But uh, but yeah, there's yeah, some weird ones as well. Like if you look up um, and you even get it on IMDb, there's like early, uh, you know, pictures of Tommy Lee Jones's Two Face makeup, but they went a darker shade, and he looks so mm. much more gruesome. Like when they just when they just turn it to like a like a dark red. And it's like, holy crap, oh my god, it looks hideous. And then when they're like, no, let's go bright pink. And then suddenly it just goes, no, oh, this kind of looks kind of stupid now. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it, it was, it, for Schumacher, particularly that first movie, is a really delicate balancing act 
of trying to figure out when he was going too dark yeah. and when he was going too light. And then, uh, and the, the, I always maintain from that season because I read along with it, uh, the Peter David novelization, where he kind of basically tries to <laughs> fix the movie, but he doesn't have to do all that much. He doesn't have to take all that. He, he just keeps things that were cut from the script and he adds in a few little bits and bobs. And that's the best version of Batman Forever, oh, wow. is that novelization. And you see, like, what a, what a movie it could have been. Had, like, you know, they just been like... And even, like, all the talk of the Schumacher cut, people are dying to get this recut version of it out because there's so much stuff in it that's like, they should never should have taken that out. That's that's fantastic. Do you think they ever will have a Schumacher cut, even though he's no longer with us? I think that the, the campaign's hot enough that... Um, I can imagine James Gunn been like, yeah, maybe, you know, there's money to be made there. Why not Why not do, a, like, a Blu-ray or a, you know, streaming release of it? Uh, mm-hmm. Weird thing okay. is, you can actually essentially get the Schumacher cut already. Uh, if you go online, there's uh, someone, uh, fans put it together as the assembly cut. Uh, and yeah, you can get like, because all the deleted scenes, a lot of them are just around. You can just find them. So people will put in the two faces, you know, the dark escape from Arkham that's supposed to be at the beginning of the movie. They've re edited it. So it, the events occur the way they do in the script and stuff. Uh, and so that is, you know, that, that's a great version of the film. It's just that the novelization, like, it does things like it gives Chase Meridian, you know, Nicole Kidman's character, like a bit more of, um, it makes her out to be less of an idiot, basically, because the movie's really like, oh, she's just this crazed horn dog who's friggin' dripping for Batman the whole time, and she can never piece together that Batman is Bruce Wayne until it's way too late. Uh, Whereas in the novelization, she knows immediately that Batman's Bruce Wayne, and she's in this kind of, like, little... She, she, kind of, not that they're making her villainous, but she has a whole thing where she's like, I want to see how far I can take this. Like, I'll I'll continue (laughs) to go out with Bruce Wayne and continue to flirt with Batman, and I want to see what will happen. Because because she's a psychiatrist, she's like, well, this is a completely unique... Psychological experiment to have a guy who's got such the distinct split personality disorder going on, and then to see how far I can run it. Uh, and eventually, that she just you know ends up regretting everything and burns all her tapes because she's so emotionally involved and all this kind of thing. But um, yeah, I would so I had to recommend anything for anybody. It's like hunt down the Peter David novelization of Batman Forever, uh, and then just go with that because when you're reading that, you can get you can imagine a much better performance for Two Face. Than Tommy Lee Jones and his handing it the hell up. Uh, you can tone down Jim Carrey in your mind if you, if you want to a little bit. And uh, yeah, you can make a really good Batman movie out of that. And then just keep all the cool vision, vi- visual stuff of the posters and the soundtrack and all that stuff and just play it in your mind. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. Thank you very much for, for suggesting that. I will see if I can try and find a copy of that novelization. I think it's like, it's a, I got it very easy. It was like eBay for like three three bucks or something like that. Well, three quid over here. But like, yeah, it's, it's not right. one that's like, you know, difficult to track down or anything. Uh, I believe you can also get it on YouTube, but it's uh, the audiobook version as as read by Rene Aubergenois. So, uh, <laughs> you know, Dr. Burton himself in the movie, and of course, you know, friggin' Odo and stuff from, uh, That's right. from Star Trek. So, yeah. yeah. Very cool. All right. So, Niall, you want to, for one last time this week, uh, tell people where they can find you? Well, yep. You can hear more from me, uh, of course, at Bat Minute, uh, which is a podcast where we analyze all the Batman movies minute by minute. And uh, we've got four seasons done, so like all the live action ones from the the 80s slash 90s are, are done. And we will be launching, actually by the time this episode airs, we will be mid Mask of the Phantasm that will have started airing. Uh, which is a weird one because it's such a shorter movie. We're so used to being like, okay, we got 120 episodes to fill. And this is like, you got 77. <laughs> You're like, oh, no, wow. we're, we're, we're nearly done. <laughs> so, uh, we've only basically cracked into it and it feels like we're nearly done already. Um and uh, but beyond that, of course, you can also hear me on uh, Miami Minutes, where we're breaking down uh, the 1987 kung fu biker friendship love affair classic uh, Miami connection, uh, one minute at a time as well, once once a week, me and uh, just me and my co-host John. And yeah, and on both shows we have a, a great time. Miami Miami Minutes is much more of a lackadaisical. We're just messing around. We're just we're just goofing kind of show whereas batman we do try to have a bit more of like you know a, a bit it's a bit more infotainment where we're trying to you know hoping hoping you'll learn something about something <laughs> as you listen as well uh but not in like in a boring way we hope it's you know we, we, we're still there just having fun too so uh 
And yeah, yeah. So you, both shows are readily available uh, on all good podcatchers. And uh, by just typing in their names to Google, it should come up pretty quickly, I'd imagine. All right. Excellent. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher you might be using to listen to the show. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Your Up Minute. You can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Twitter, or you can find me on my website, moveyourupminute.com. So, Niall, thank you very much for joining me this week. I, I had a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. A great time. I'm always happy to talk about anything, but particularly Die Hard, because, like, who doesn't like talking about Die Hard, quite frankly? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. I, I agree with you on that. Yeah. yeah. So, so, thank you. And I will be back on Monday with, with a new guest. But until then... Have a great weekend and yippee-ki-yay! If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little villages, it